Welcome to Gross Anatomy. Yes. We actually are live. We are live. We're live and we're, we're, we're live, aren't we? We're live. So we're actually live and we're live. Yeah, and we're right. recording in a little different space. We're a different space, different time. Different time. Same day. Right. And it's a new year still. And so you have a little bit more energy. It's I not the end of the day. I'm a little more stressed. <laughs> Usually at the end of the day, I'm less stressed. Yeah. Um, but I'm lower energy. Now I'm higher energy, but higher stress. So I don't know what's better. Well, yeah, practice your S's. Do you remember what they are? Yes, I, do. <laughs> I had no idea for a second what we were talking about. Dr. Cohen's S's, yes. self. Yeah. I thought you were like... Te- Sleep. Um, I thought you were making fun of my like speech impediment because I sometimes... If you're Jewish, S, stress. Right. Because <laughs> sometimes when I say S, I kind of do a... Sh- so I thought you were teasing me about my S's. No. And uh, if you want to know more about Dr. Cohen's S's, just follow us on Instagram, Gross Anatomy Podcast. Yeah, we just so did a post. Welcome, everyone. And we're at Gross Anatomy. We're yes. live at Gross Anatomy where we discuss the sand- sights, smells, sounds. Those are other S's of medicine uh, and how it relates to pop culture, TVs, movies, and the world around us. You're Dr. Jason Cohen. I am Dr. Jason Cohen. And I'm Lauren Taylor. Taylor. Yes. And here we are, and we're live. Nailed that With intro. a little more energy, but a little more stress. Right. And there we go. In the OR. We're actually in our OR here mm-hmm. uh, at the Surgery Group of Los Angeles today. We're using the OR because it's very busy. We're here in the middle of the day. And good good acoustics, I think. We'll find out. cool acoustics, yeah. Um, so for a recap today, and we could maybe perform a surgery while we're doing this. Oh God! Yes, there's no surgery going on currently. No, um, just finished one. Just finished. He did, not, okay. not me, because I'm not a doctor. Correct. But for a recap, just the only thing I had for this week was um, you were curious because you were talking about your brother-in-law who's a doctor and right. like what to do with all your doctor textbooks that are like no longer you know usable yes. really. Yes. And you, but it's not your brother-in-law. So right. you wanted to know what was He's the answer to what to call your wife's sister's husband. husband. Right. So I found something. There's that, an actual word. Yes. There's a word. Co-brother-in-law. That's like what that. it said. Co-brother-in-law? I didn't say you were going to like it. Yeah. Like CO. One's wife's sister's husband or more generally one's spouse's brother-in-law is defined as a co-brother-in-law. Co-brother-in-law? I, I'd rather call it cobra. <laughs> Cobra-in-law. No, Cobra, they're in law. That's cool. Yeah, not really. Cobra. We have to come up with a new term. I don't like that. Yeah, that's the only thing you can find that people call it. But that question is searched a lot. Interesting. So the co-brother-in-law. Yeah. So that's all I have for that. Yeah. And instead of doing pop culture this week, I kind of thought we'd do questions we all wonder. Because you had some good questions that I kind of looked into last week. That we didn't even really discuss. Yes, that I've always... I've never researched, but I've always just like come to accept, and right. it's a common thing people. Um, but the f- questions that like yeah, why is the world why does no. no I know simpler does God exist? <laughs> yeah. What's no, the of why does your pee smell when you eat asparagus? What does my pee smell? Yes, right. why does pee smell? When what you is what urine? Why does urine? Show. We don't say pee here. Oh, show. sorry, I wrote pee. <laughs> no, I'm why does urine smell when you eat asparagus? Why does urine smell? When so you eat apparently, asparagus? even in 1781, Benjamin Franklin also wanted to know this, and he wrote to the Royal Academy of Brussels um, about the disagreeable odor that happened when he ate asparagus. He's, you said disagreeable odor. Yes, I that's what he said. <laughs> that's what he said, and yeah. he wanted them to find a drug that could render the discharges of wind from our bodies not only inoffensive, but agreeable as perfumes. He thought that if he wrote to the Royal Academy of Brussels that maybe they could come up with something. But scientists have still not done that. (laughs) 
So what it is, is, is asparagus urine link all comes down to one chemical. And it's asparagusic acid. It's like asparagus with music right. acid. It's an acid. So it's only found in an asparagus. Right. And that's just how um, the chemical relates to sulfur. And that's what it smells right. like. Right. So that's the thing. It kind of relates to sulfur a little yeah. bit. Um, but interestingly, how much research did it, I did some reading on it. You tell me. Yeah. So supposedly the entire population's urine doesn't automatically necessarily smell like asparagus mm-hmm. from eating the asparagus, but it's not clear. It's not clear if everybody's does, but not everybody notices it. It could be just an, a smell, an olfactory thing. Mm-hmm. Did you read that too? Yes, I did read that. Yeah. They didn't know if it was actually people's like sense of smell, right? Or they were actually their they did not uh, compound it the same way, right? Because some people say, "Oh, it doesn't happen to my urine." Yeah, I don't notice that. And no one is, re- it's still not clearly defined, mm-hmm. oddly enough. I guess it's not enough of, you know, curing cancer. Right. We really need to figure out. Asparagus. Even though Benjamin Franklin wanted something done about this, it's exactly. not really that important. So it's not totally clear if perhaps everybody's urine smells that way. Mm-hmm. Um, just not everybody notices it as foul or not everybody notices right. it at all. So that's a kind of interesting thing. I, yeah, this is just a guess, but I would say it's people's sense of smell. Could be. I love that smell. <laughs> it's, it's totally, I mean, it's it always reminds smell. you you ate asparagus. I right. kind of forget. I'm like, oh, yeah, I ate asparagus. Yeah. Uh, and I love that kind of cause. <laughs> the reason I love the smell is I just love the cause and effect of it. Yeah. It's like, wow, something, you do something, something happens, and you see a result. That's why I kind of like yeah, it. Yeah. And it can happen. Apparently, I did look up the timing like 15 to 30 minutes. Like, it can happen. Yeah. Interestingly, when you eat a little asparagus, it's less strong. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you would think that. And if you eat a ton of asparagus, it's really much more right. noticeable. And I it goes on myself. for long. <laughs> We've all done uh, urine asparagus. Uh, experiments? As- experiments. Uh, yes. Uh, this other question you had, which I had never heard of before. Interesting. And why does cilantro taste like soap to some people? Right. And I asked my husband because he does not like cilantro. I'm like, does it taste like soap to you? And he said, no. He just finds it disagreeable. But there is... But it probably does taste like soap. To but him. yes. So I kind of want to do more experiments yeah. on him. But, um, give him some soap. I know. One day in some food and another day give him some cilantro. Right. Um, but what's interesting is people cook a lot with cilantro. I know. Um, and I always, I always used to go out to restaurants where we'd get salsa and stuff. And I, I would never say it, but I'd be like... Too much. I don't love this salsa. I don't love it either. And I'd always be like, you know, I don't like this salsa or this guacamole. And and finally, I started telling people, you know what? It ta- does it taste a little soapy to you? you know oh, so you do say? get that yeah, taste. Yeah, I get it. To me, oh, it okay. tastes like soap. Well, apparently, Julia Child hated it too, and I wonder. she probably It probably tastes like soap to her. Yeah, so it does taste like soap to me, but I don't think to the rest of my family. Or... It may taste like soap, but they don't dislike it. But tell us about that a little bit, Laura. Well, that's just... Why don't you tell us behind So that is something... Three? So, yeah, with asparagus, they can't, like, prove that it happens to everyone's urine. But in the cilantro, there's, like, a, a small percentage of the population that have, like, gene receptors right, that... gene. Yes, perceive it as soapy-flavored. Yeah. Um, and it's something to do with the cilantro leaves. Right. And what's the percent? Um, well, they don't really know exactly, but East Asians apparently have the highest incidence of this variation. I think it's something... With, like, 20% of the population. It could even be, like, higher, like, 40 to 60%. I forgot. Yeah, so I'm surprised I hadn't heard about it before. Yeah, but maybe yeah. nobody wants to talk about that. Or maybe it, some people... You know, Cilantro-phobe. isn't necessarily such a bad 
taste to some people. So maybe they're yeah. like, oh, so. Uh, yeah, apparently at least 20% of this East Asian population would have a problem with it and would taste like soap to them. And they're called cilantrophobes, and, but they can overcome their aversion with repeated exposure to the herb. Maybe. Especially if it's crushed rather than served whole. Yeah, but I don't know why you would want to keep doing that, just right, to eat cilantro. Up, uh, tolerance to eating soap. Yeah. Yeah. But, but really you're right. And that? sometimes it's, yeah, it's overused a lot. But. Right. Um, cool. Any other things? No, but what is this medical show you were talking about? Oh, it's horrible. So um, I'm kind of lost for a show to watch right now. Me too. At the gym. Um, I'm like watching them back and forth between a few things. I'm watching the chef show, but so I, you know, on my Netflix, I was looking at what to watch and popped up since I do try to watch medical shows, a show called medical police. Oh yes. I actually want to watch that. It's a comedy though. Did you not know that? No, I did. I did. (laughs) And, and it's actually kind of fun, but totally dumb. Yeah. You know, it's about these, and, and it's kind of a takeoff. Um, you know, the first episode has the guy's, what was that pediatric show with the doctor who would have to be in a clown face? Um, yeah, I figured it must be from the same people, but I don't remember what that people. was either. Rob Cordroy. Yeah, it's, it was his show, right? He had that show with the, the pediatric hospital thing. Yeah. So it's kind of like a spinoff of that. Mm-hmm. So he's in the first episode, Henry Winkler's in it, which is oh, fun. Yeah. I mean, it's a fun cast. Mm-hmm. And it's about doctors who are police people, too. Um, okay. solving crimes. My husband actually sent me the trailer, so we're going to watch that. It's silly and dumb um, and not a show at all that you need to say, you know, oh, is that medicine real? Because nothing <laughs> yeah. is real, which is, but it's fun. It's that like, would be fun to write that way, though. Like, it, it doesn't matter. You don't have to do any research. Uh, nothing. And it is kind of fun. Like, there's an operating room scene and, and it's ridiculous and there's some medical stuff and it's ridiculous. So they're basically just parodying like medical shows, like that, taking the ridiculousness of like it and amplifying it. Okay, bit. yeah. But it's fun and the acting is fun and it's, you know, it's silly kind of premise. Yeah. So would you keep watching it or is it a show you can only take like a little bit of? I would keep watching it more. I, I would keep watching because it it's funny. Like, it, like, oh, what should I watch? I have nothing to do. Let me open some mail. And I want it. Film your reactions to some medical shows, yeah. but I don't know if that would be a good one because then right. you wouldn't be able to comment on the reality of it because it's so ridiculous. Yeah, but it was fun. You know, he was doing surgery without a mask on. The main guy, everybody mm-hmm. else did have masks on, <laughs> and then he like left in the middle of surgery because he had to go somewhere. You know, <laughs> and he he like let all the other people battle to see who would take over. You know, so there's some humor to it. In there. All right, I'm going to yeah. watch it and give you my thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I, would watch, I watched a couple episodes. I would watch some more. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, the topic I want to talk to, about today is basically just a little bit about, like, the ethics of, you know, how we come to medical treatments or medical science. Because recently a Chinese scientist um, was sentenced to three years in prison by a court in southern China for gene editing. Um, he used a technique called CRISPR to gene edit twin girls um, and modify them with the intention of protecting the girls against HIV. And this was not allowed, but he announced it in 2018, so I guess he wasn't scared of the consequences. But that was where? That wasn't here. That, that was, was in China. Yeah. But he was just sentenced like yeah. recently to three years in prison. And CRISPR stands for clustered? Regularly interspaced short palindromic repeats which can you I can't explain that at all I think they you know sometimes I think people make up names and stuff just to be like silly like 
like you know to sound really smart uh-huh. they, they could have given it like a more simple name right I know well I looked up exactly what it stands for to hope that it made more sense to me but it makes less sense to me when spelled out that way right it's basically the ability to kind of change and rearrange DNA a little bit mm-hmm. that's what it sounds cool. like yeah but that's that's kind of what I wanted to get into you with like this scientist um, that's going to jail for three years he said I understand my work will be controversial but I believe families need this technology and I am willing to take the criticism for them yeah however other people doctors scientists disagreed and you know because they don't know what's actually going to happen to these babies has he made their life shorter has he made it worse but that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about like how do you if you could like gene edit someone to not have cancer I mean will we ever even be able to do that because of the ethical questions it just creates like this example could you could you even gene edit people to not get HIV probably not because it's not allowed you're not allowed to I mean the testing yeah it's not going to happen in my time that's that's for sure but it may happen in your time Lauren who you, knows you think so like I was just Some wondering may, if that's and it may happen in you know countries where they're not really keeping an eye on things a little bit that's I guess maybe he thought he could get away with it I'm not sure yeah and, but, you know, to some degree, we do a little bit of that, you know, with mm-hmm. in vitro fertilization and, mm-hmm. and egg harvesting and, and having other people carry babies, you know, in surrogacy. Um, one thing that often you, you could, if you have egg harvesting and you fertilize it, you could choose the parents the could say what they want implanted. Do they want a boy, girl, just a boy? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're already doing it. On a small, you know, on a yeah. lesser amoral scale. See, and that's what I think too. So I think that eventually they'll go further with it. But yeah, obviously, I mean, I don't think these twin girls should be born with a shorter lifespan just to like see if people can be born without being able to contract HIV. I don't know where yeah. the line is. Yeah, well, the line, that's the problem. No one really knows where the line Like, what if they could say, oh, yeah, we could figure out how to crossbreed a human and a horse. Should we try to do that? Right. Speaking that's... of which, I started watching BoJack Horseman because I had nothing Ooh, else to Oh, I was going to, I guess we can, uh, let's, uh, let's yeah. get into pop culture because uh, I saw the Critics' Choice Award. They had um, Big Mouth was nominated for, like, Best Animated Series, and oh, I wow. was really hoping it was going to win, and in my aunt's like little poll that she she always does award show like you know uh what is it competitions uh-huh. so of course i voted for big mouth right but bojack horseman won really mm-hmm. so now you're gonna have to compare the, the two because big mouth is like your favorite show of your, last year no it won the actual critics choice award oh, really? so i lost that question oh okay i lost those points bojack horseman is more adult i think that's probably why it won oh it is more adult a little bit i think yeah. okay i think so um, I know Will Arnett does the voice who I love, but right. I haven't really seen it. Yeah, so I watched a couple episodes too because I wanted to know what that was all about. And so far, there's nothing at all medical other than a horse human person. Which <laughs> is pretty interesting. Um, it's also kind of a fun, silly show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Big Mouth is probably. So far, I'd like Big Mouth a lot better. And Better for and Teens. Yeah, better for Teens, and I think. And I think it had lessons, even though it was warped and wacky. Mm-hmm. That, that's why I liked Big Mouth, uh, despite all the insanity and the um, immaturity and the inappropriateness. I think if you could see around, behind, under, through it, there were some really good lessons there. Okay. And maybe it's just that I'm weird, but I, I did think there were some lessons there. I don't know. Okay. All right. Who knows? Um, it won my teen choice. <laughs> 
All right. Um, so I think you have a gross anatomy story for us. It's not so much a gross anatomy story, but but you know, there's that whole movie, that the TV series that we talked about, the act. Yes. Um, that I wasn't actually. I watched bits and parts. Your wife of it. liked it. My wife liked to watch it with my kid, with mm-hmm. kids. But I only watched a little of it. I didn't watch the whole thing um, because to me it was just too disturbing. And the whole premise of it. Did you watch it? Um, no, but I know what it is. Yeah. The whole premise is is. That's Munchausen by proxy, which is basically the mom of the kid um, pretends that this kid is sick and has all these illnesses that she, so that she can take care of her kid. And she makes her kid sick and so, so that she has cancer and this and that. And it turned out the kid was fine, which mm-hmm. is insane. But then there's Munchausen, which is where people, um, because they're ill, you know, they're not healthy, they're ill mentally. Right. Um, develop all these illnesses and problems and will harm themselves even just to get treated and cared for. A patient comes to the hospital and you could read through the chart and the chart says that um, this service won't take care of the patient, that service won't take care of the patient. Can you ever, you can't put a patient in a cycle unless they're direct harm to themselves or, or, someone, or else. someone else. Yeah. Yeah, you can't win. No. And a lot of those... I don't know if people know this, but they should know this by now. Yelp reviews for doctors can just be done for no reason. Like people wanting to get pain medication that they can't, so they're, you know, the doctor doesn't want them to have an addiction. And they go online, they write about a review. There was even a show, it's called Dr. Foster. My cousin was watching it. I was just like barely watching it. But apparently, like, you know, some lady just hates her, so she just gets on different profiles, creates different profiles. It's a fake show. show, It's called Dr. Foster. I think it's a British show. Yeah. Anyways, this doctor's career is pretty much, like, ruined just by this lady that, like, hates her, and she, like, creates different profiles, writes all negative reviews, so it's, like, all this horrible stuff coming into doctors, which can easily be done by anyone. we're onto something. Yeah. I think we're onto a reality show about doctor yelping, Mm -hmm. like, going around to doctors with negative Yelp reviews, and... I think we're onto something here. I, think I don't think doctors should be on show. Yelp. I just don't think it's right. Like yeah. it's just. Although I did often think, do you remember Zagat's the Zagat's food guide thing? Mm-hmm. I do think there's something worth, you know, being able to say, hey, go to this doctor. He's, you know what? It should only be you're only allowed to give compliments, mm-hmm. and, if you, and if it's a negative, you know, don't. Right. Um, hey, this doctor's good, touchy-feely, right. huggy, you know, makes you feel good. Hey, this doctor's good, like a great technician, right. this doctor. Or he can really make kids laugh, you know, yeah. they have a horrible yeah. disease, whatever. No, it's, you know, obviously, if someone's doing something illegal or Then immoral, they should be reported the but, right way. Right. All right, going into medical advice. I know your class starts back up today or next today, week? Yeah, today, yeah, But I was, the question that I had is, like, how do like medical students or interns give you like the best first impression like what's something that they can do like immediately ask a question look engaged like what like makes you take notice of a student maybe like want you to take them under your wing more so i like that question what is a good first impression yeah now for for a student who's applying or or like an actual let's say they're already a resident let's say a resident so i i remember I think saying yes, being willing, open, saying yes is okay. key. So, um, so if um, and I did it, not realizing it, I did it when I was a brand new surgery student on the surgery rotation as a third year medical student. Um, we showed up the first day, um, nervous. You know, what are we going to see? What are we going to be doing? 
And the residents who basically run the service said to me, said to the group of surgery students, said, okay, who, the, the urologist, you're on the general surgery rotation, the urologist, who we theoretically were not supposed to have anything to do with, mm-hmm. said they really could use a student who wants to go and help. And I said, I do. Oh, nice. You know, right away. Yeah. Not knowing anything, it, it turned out, actually, I walked into the lines then, you know, they were, <laughs> you know, asking me tons of questions, oh, and I knew yeah. nothing, and I was humiliated. But I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. But forever, those group of residents who asked me when I said yes, they loved me. Oh, because see. they thought that I was the guy who was willing, you know, right away, bam, to, right. to pitch in, to kick in, to help. Okay. And that, and so that got me huge points. So when I see someone who's eager, you know, when you ask for a volunteer and that person's hand is up already, um, or when... You know, anticipation is really key to any, you know, I talk about that to my students with anything. Like if you're giving, it's preparation and anticipation. Mm -hmm. If you're giving a speech, if you're super prepared and you also know what questions people are going to ask, you're going to kick butt. Okay. And and it's kind of like that with anything, but like especially with a surgery rotation. Like if we're going to look at a patient and the patient has a wound and we're going to be taking down their dressing, you as a student, if you know that that's going to be happening... Make sure you have the dressing supplies already in the room or with you or on you so that after the resident takes the dressings down and he's like, oh, where are the dressing supplies? You're like, I got it. Oh, Here nice. it is. Okay. You know, that was key back in the day and I imagine it still is. It's being ready and anticipate and, and being eager. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's probably good advice. And not lying. For any student. Yeah, for any student. Mm-hmm. And any preparation and anything really. The other thing that's important is not lying. I really hate when someone... Starts BSing an answer, beep, bada boop, bada boop. I'd much rather have someone say, I don't know, but okay. I'll look it up. Okay. I don't know, but I'll get the answer for you later. Okay. I'll get the answer tomorrow. Yeah, you can't be ready for every question they're going right. to ask you. So just be honest. I'd so much rather hear an, an I don't know than a, than a silly made up fakakta answer. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Good advice, Dr. Cohen. Thanks. There you go. You're welcome. Anything yeah, else you want to add to the podcast? So that's it. That's our gross anatomy for today on a Wednesday in the middle of the day <laughs> yeah. when I'm full of energy but still full of stress. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's one of the S's. Yes. All right. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine.